Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. Hey folks, it's Andy, recording directly from the Anchor app. No, not a commercial, although still sponsored by Anchor. During this episode, we keep making a reference to Irish nachos. And this was a reference I thought we had explained early on in the podcast. And while reviewing it, I'm, it's not anywhere in there. We made a joke at some point. I obviously prior to when the microphones were turned on uh, about uh, getting a waiter to give you a free plate of Irish nachos uh, by flashing your chest at them. And so anytime we are taught, we make a joke about Irish nachos. Uh, the joke is that Mark and I are pulling up our shirts and, uh, showing off our our man boobs to waiters for Irish nachos. Uh, so hopefully that explains that joke whenever it comes up because it comes up a lot. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode about Skyfall and Irish nachos. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thanks, everybody. Bye. James Bond. I suppose listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, our ongoing series talking about the films of James Bond, which we've called On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. This week, we are talking about Skyfall, and who is we? I always forget to introduce us all. I'm Andy Wilson, your host. Uh, you can find me writing about stuff on Graphic Policy or Bleeding Cool. Uh, and with us this week, our usual gang of misfits and dope addicts, uh, starting with Mr. Mark DeLeon. Hey! A hello of a Sicily. Hey, I'm hey. Italian. Hey. Uh, also, not Italian with us, JB Flinders. We don't know what Dutch. he is. You're Dutch? Yeah, yeah, well, Dutch. Yeah, 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 yeah Dutch. Yeah. 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 Take over yeah. your village. A schmelting yeah. accident. Huber Flavidog is sudden. Huber stunk. They used yeah. to be Dutch nachos. And Thanks a lot, bro. <laughs> and we Brooke don't eat nachos in the Netherlands. Who probably is Dutch or German or something Nordic. Brookheim. <laughs> Welcome, Nipple Brooke. is white European. Oh, was was that my... I couldn't hear over the nachos. Hello. <laughs> yes. Yes. Brooke. I think that's my own doing. I'm sorry. That's I, okay. I'm very German. Very German. But it's ja. only Heim. Ja. We lost the other part a long time ago. Wie geht's es dir? Frau Blucher. Expression ambition. Wow. Nicht sehr gut. Ich spreche, ich spreche uh, ein bisschen Deutscher. Nein! 
Nine. <laughs> I know how to say one thing in Swahili. Okay. Mimi Sapindi Brown Sugar. How dare you? I do not want to smoke cocaine. Wow. Once again, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, don't don't turn down the. I don't the smoke candy. it. I mainline it. The brown <laughs> yeah. sugar. The brown sugar. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. But we are talking about Skyfall, like Eventually. the granddaddy <laughs> episode of of uh, James Bond. Um, we talked about this like a year ago when we introed James Bond. Some of our favorites. Uh, this is our favorite Bond movie for sure, uh, and it ranks in the the top for a lot of people, and that is because it is wonderful. Yep. Why does everybody love Skyfall? It is the perfect Bond movie, the perfect thriller, the perfect spy movie. There's just so much perfection in it. And, and I just love the way two characters are introduced to, to, or I should say reintroduced to us, but we'll get to that. I just absolutely love the way they're reintroduced to the whole James Bond lore. Why yeah. do birds... I'm just really glad. It really is it really is a perfect a perfect movie. It's really great in that no one takes a sock through a chair, even though there's lots of chairs sitting. So I was really like that first scene where he's sitting there with Silva in the island, I'm like, oh please don't don't hit him through the chair. Just just come up and talk to him. Because Mark will yeah, Mark I love- will freak out again. No, no, I love how he's like, you think this makes me uncomfortable, bro? You weren't here two movies ago. <laughs> <laughs> Rope go at my nads. Like, this yeah, is nothing. Like, you can fill me up all you want, yeah. buddy. Ain't gonna do nothing. I had to film yeah, the entire... Gentle, gentle bro. I had to film the entire Quantum of Solace train wreck, so anything's better than that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, too. <laughs> You're taking it too far. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ, man! Uh, Get yes. over it, <laughs> uh, JB. Wh- what else? What else do you love about so Skyfall? I, you know, Andy, we we talked about this a little, and we've talked about it off and on through the last couple of years. I I think it brings in. I think the inclusion of Sam Mendes was the best choice because I think it brings in a different yes. type of filmography um, mm-hmm. for someone who who understands. And Mark, you mentioned this, the nuance, right? Skyfall is a very nuanced film rather than uh, let's just take advantage of action scenes and and ridiculous stuff like that. It's got a lot more depth. It's it's the very Greek tragedy, mother and two sons kind of vibe, uh, which I'm sure we'll Mm -hmm. talk about later. Um, And I I think we we talked about this a little. The the bad guy, I think Silva is great. Um, One article I was reading said he's sort of like all of the joker characters in one right he's he's the the scary ledger he's the weird leto he's the goofy jack nicholson um he's all of these different characters rolled into one and and andy we, we talked and about- he's latino like cesar romero <laughs> <laughs> and how mark they covered all and places. how mark used to be before he was replaced by an italian hey <laughs> hey it's a mark super marchio um so <laughs> But yeah, I think I think um, Sam Mendes is really 
the the difference here i think how he filmed this i mean there's there's nothing better in this movie than all those initial shots of skyfall and if you take if you take you know i love i like martin campbell films they're great but you, he does not put skyfall like that in this movie right he doesn't have well yeah. I, I, I that's think my take on yeah. it too I think what the franchise needed, and one of the criticisms I agreed with, is that there wasn't as much character development in Quantum Solace as there should have been. Mm -hmm. And here comes San Mendes, which is the king of developing characters. I mean, just think of the movies he's directed. Uh, American Beauty, Road to Perdition, which is, to me, criminally underrated. Revolutionary Road, which is absolutely brilliant between uh, Kate Winslet and Leo DiCaprio. Away We Go, which is a movie that I think should have gotten way more uh, publicity than it got. It's such a beautiful movie. Uh, so, like, he knows how to handle character development. And when you throw in uh, action and wanting to feel what characters are feeling, if, if y'all haven't seen 1917 and not felt the panic for... There is this one long scene that he does in that movie where if you're not feeling panic and sweating by the time that scene is done, you're not human. So Sam Mendes is just a brilliant director. And this franchise needed that because we needed to see some more development uh, of Bond and the people around him. Right. And that's exactly what we got. Um, and the way Judy Dench was treated and how, up to the point where she went out, absolutely brilliant. So this is the one movie that gives us way more background on who James Bond was as a person. Uh, right. So it's the continuation of the origin story of James Bond. Yeah, I. that's one thing I really fault the entire franchise with is that it it has never felt like it has any sense of authorship uh, in terms of like, like the auteur theory of, um, of filmmaking that you know the the director is the the overall creative driver and force behind making a film and uh auteur theory like the the sort of basis of it is like uh you know that every movie that the that the director makes is actually about themselves and they're trying to say something personal with it and we've never had films that really felt like someone like really cared about doing anything other than either adapting a novel or, or just sort of giving another adventure for James Bond to go on. And we've had good directors. We've had bad directors. Um, This is the first time I've ever felt like someone actually had like, a, a take on it and not only a a narrative take and a character take but the visuals in this and um, I have to shout out uh, to uh, Mendez's um, longtime co- collaborator uh, Roger Deakins as his director of photography and Deakins is also known for working extensively with the Coen brothers uh, Denis Villeneuve, and um, he's just a fantastic director of photography. I I hate to be so like broad about this, but I feel like any movie in the last like thirty years that you're like, wow, that was really visually striking, 
like eight times out of ten, it's it's something Roger Deakins. Interesting. Did. He is uh he's just absolutely amazing. And when they go to Shanghai and oh, yes. they're I mean, it looks it looks like fucking Blade Runner right. in yeah. Shanghai. Right, right. It, it's it's amazing. And it's like, no, it's real and it's hyper realistic, but it also looks kind of sci-fi and otherworldly and um all of the stuff in scotland at the skyfall estate it, it has a very different tone than london and just the the visual language of this film is something that no other bond film has ever had there have been ones that have had great cinematography and have looked really good Nothing else like so, this. Though. So let me ask though, Andy, because I'm really interested in 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 your all's take on this. This and Casino Royale usually end up in my top five, if not three, right? Depending on mm -hmm. my rewatches. It's really interesting yep. to me because they're both incredible movies, but Skyfall. It's like when you get on a if if you ever do sales, right? You usually start sales. And there's a difference between people who do sales and people who do like uh, other kinds of work for a living because sales is about feeling, right? You have to sell them not only on what you're selling, but the concept, right? The meaning, the core of what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really hard for me to differentiate the how great Skyfall and Casino Royale are, except to me, Skyfall is the sales and Casino Royale is... The, like the product itself because skyfall has the the heart the feeling like you're saying like you watch it mm -hmm. and it engrosses you with everything right casino royale has a much more engrossing plot i thought it paced a little differently but skyfall mm -hmm. like you said mark at the end you feel the passage of this character right um and, and I, I think to me, I wondered if that was what your difference was between these two movies. Like, what did Skyfall do for you that Casino Royale didn't? Because, again, until I really thought about it in that light, I couldn't. I was like, why do I like Skyfall so much more? Is it Adele? I love Adele. But, <laughs> like, what is it, you know? So I was just interested in your take on that. I, I, I agree with Mark that I think that it, it goes to sort of this deconstruction of of bond as a character and by giving him a uh a foil in silva in the way that we haven't had in a lot of other bond villains um especially since the classical era like lashif is you know lashif is lashif but he is a terrorist and he is a banker uh silva is an ex MI6 agent who wants to annihilate MI6 mm -hmm. because they are evil. He is the anti-Bond. Um, he's he's Bizarro Superman, and um, that's what not only makes him so formidable, but so interesting. And he, I I don't know whether he wants to like convert James Bond, kill James Bond, fuck James right. Bond. Like we'll it's, it's kind of all of the same <laughs> That's thing. That's why he keeps taking his teeth out. You know? <laughs> I oh. think he wants to do all those things. 
In no particular order, well, the death one would have to get uh, I knew that teeth line would get you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, that got me. I like that. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, but, I mean, same question to Mark and to Brooke. We, I feel like we haven't heard from you. Like, what's, what's compelling about these characters and what you like? I, I think that they're outside of... Sorry, you're going to have to forgive Concussion Brain because I'm still not quite remembering things that I know are there. Outside of when... What's-her-name gets shot in the drive-by shooting. Oh, uh, Tracy. Yes. We aren't super led to emotional connection and attachment to many of the characters. Right. Yeah. Except for that between Bond and M. Mm-hmm. And a little bit with Money Penny, Money Penny and Q, right? Like there's there's only these couple of characters that have a continuance that we are meant to be attached to, and they did a beautiful job of. I think, like you said, like there's there's a continuation of story. There's a there's a flow of plot in this movie, almost. Batman style <laughs> like yeah like we go back to his childhood home and we see where he hid after like there's there's just this resonance of familiarity and connection and attachment that they really lean on for what I feel like is the first time where we're supposed to feel this attachment we're supposed to feel like all of the times that we've gone through these movies and we've asked is he a good guy or a bad guy what is Bond? Like, who is he as a human? We don't get to pull back the curtain until this movie and really truly see that there's still a human in there. There's still a soul in there other than that one moment with Tracy, right? Like, this is where we get to see him and his backstory and why it matters if he's a good person or a bad person, why it matters that we like Bond or don't like Bond and why it matters what his caliber and character is and also why it matters what he's been asked to do mm-hmm. for Queen and Country. When he's going through the testing and they ask him to associate all the different words and they say murder and he says employment, my whole fucking heart just drops because... Like he knows this it. is his whole existence yeah. and they yeah. say M and he says bitch but like that's like the toddler being mad at his mom because that is the only emotional reaction that he has from attachment is to her in those series of questions and it's really truly where we get to say why have we been following this dude for this many movies over this many decades why does it matter why do we care why is it important if we ask whether he's a good guy or a bad guy and why are we here on this journey and it all comes together I think in the end of this movie where it's like we are attached we are attached to him we are attached to him we're attached to all of it because there's a soul in there that's been asked to do the most horrific job you could possibly do to keep people safe, to keep people like 
like when M was speaking about when she read the poem, oh my god, oh my god, she talks about her late husband and and even just like, I don't know, the whole thing, the whole point of this movie, it's not some villainous scheme to take over the world, it is attachment, it is payback, it is uh, storyline and human reconciliation that's happening throughout the whole movie and I think it's really beautiful. You you brought some something up that uh, I wanted to talk to in this podcast. Uh, I'll talk about in this podcast. We we actually spoke about this about a year ago when we posed the question: Is Bond good or bad? And we talked about how a lot of that is determined by the government, right? Because that's who he's working for. Sure. Yeah. And we tend to think that we're the good guys all the time. Um, but what Silva's doing is he's saying, "Hey." They're not always the good guys, um, and that he's reacting because of that. And uh, M explains what happened. Like she was in, a, she was in a position where she had to either give up one of her own that wasn't able that they couldn't control all too well uh, in exchange for four lives, or stick with him. And she made the call. She M's curse is that she has to continually make the tough call. At the very start of the movie, which was a brilliant yep. start to any nice. Bond movie, this just the best start. She makes a call that she has to make. Bond is fighting this one dude that has a list of people that, if exposed, their lives are on the line. We're talking. Did she say how many people? I don't remember. Um, was it's it all the of hundreds? their agents in in NATO. Yeah. So, like, it's in the hundreds. So she had to make a split decision right there. Does she tell Money Penny? to take the shot and possibly kill Bond uh, in, in exchange for those, for the safety of those names? Or does she just let it go because she's so attached to Bond? Like, it, you know, it's a no brainer. You have to, you have to secure those names. So, Wait. you know, she, she, she says, take the shot. And in, in ostensibly Bond is dead. And that's, that's in her hands now. So Silva's saying like, this person that you put on a pedestal, this government that you put on a pedestal, they're not what you think it is. And that can be applied to whoever, to whatever government. So it, him as a villain to me is just the perfect villain. It's not just a terrorist like Andy said with Lashif. Lashif was brilliant, but that dude's just there to terrorize Bond. Silva is making a broader point. He's like, governments are fucking evil and we can fuck with him easily. And he's trying to tell Bond, join me let's put an end to all this shit and bond just won't do it maybe it's because of his attachment to him maybe it's because of his loyalty to queen and country but he won't do it and i love that tug of war that's happening in this in this movie absolutely brilliant that's what makes this movie so strong and brilliant in terms of the bond verse isn't it perfect though that m made the same call with silva mm -hmm. and bond Yep. And yeah. that one went to one side and one still like called her a bitch and was fucking pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> but also held his duty. And I think that that is what we come down to of all the times we've asked the question and all the times that we've gone the rounds is, is he a good guy or get bad guy? Is he a good bond to bad bond? Like it all comes down singularly to this moment of what does he choose when forced between himself and country and he ultimately still chooses country over ego. Yeah. 
and you know they they both died for their country essentially and came back to life in these alter egos and bond Talk about an easter movie (laughs) what Uh, almost well andy i'm I'm, yeah i I think that's interesting because i mean when you read a lot about you know old military history and and you know you watch movies like clockwork orange and things where you're you're almost making the person not be able to differentiate between country and ego right so i like i like brooks point and i think that's why the decision is hard because part of that training right and that's why she says that's why orphans are always the best get right Mm. because it's easier to instill the inability to separate the two halves and and i think mark you raise an interesting point because i never feel like that's why i don't like the scene where he shoots he shoots her in the head right with the thing on her head because I never thought the movie really tried to portray him as a bad guy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think his character was written to be a bad guy. I think his character was written to be a shadow character, right? It's it's what could have been, like Brooks said. And I didn't like, and that was the one piece I didn't like about the movie, is they, they kept trying to set Silva up as a bad guy, a quote-unquote bad Bond villain, rather than just allowing him to be that archetype, Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think that point is you can't separate country from ego when you are raised to be that machine. Like you said, Mark, that we've been talking about for a year. Is Bond anything other than what he was made to be by his progenitor, right? And I think that's where Silva is so valuable is he's the contrast to here's the opposition in some ways. But again, I, I don't the movie had to do it because it's it's a stereotypical Hollywood movie and you have to make the bad guy obviously bad right um, and, I, yeah. and in a lot of ways I wish they wouldn't because then he could have been this I, really unique shadow part right and that was kind of I, I don't think that's I don't think that was to make him a villain though because doing what he's doing he had to make a choice like he had to make himself be feared and he can't let himself be betrayed he, he can't I don't think he was doing it out of joy I mean, he played it up for drama, but I think he killed her for that for that purpose because he can't be seen as being betrayed and let that go. I don't think they put that in to make him this, you know, massive villain. I think it's part of the decision process that when you decide to take up arms against your former government and to try to take them down, you've made a set of decisions that you can't walk away from. And part of that is that Anybody who seems to be betraying you or that it seems like they've betrayed you, you have to put them down. Otherwise, the entire operation you've created will come crashing down on you. I mean, maybe so. I also, I mean, I I take a little more critical look at this because it is, it is the Bond trope. The first girl always dies. Bond sticks his dick in her and then 20 minutes later, she's dead. No, and he did Penny uh, Money Penny first. No, he never did Money Penny. Did he? No. In his in, did, in his did apart, he in his, uh, in his room with the shaving. He, he yeah, he undressed her. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have a sex scene, but, uh, but come on. You think that? Okay, well, unless okay, she okay, is maybe. the most resilient woman to ever come onto him her own goddamn self and then not have sex with him. 
Okay, yeah, well, she was, I want to I want to come on. back to Eve because she's a badass. Yeah. But what what I saw in in uh, the other character whose name I am blanking on, and I feel terrible. But Which like, one? she's only in twenty minutes of the movie. Ste- Se- oh, Se- Severine. Se- yeah, Severine. Um, she, you know, she's only in this like transition from Act One to Act Two, and you know, and then they dispatch her. A, I do think either to signify this is a bad guy because see, he just killed this this woman. B, uh, you know, as Mark said, you know, oh, he's that ruthless that he will, you know, kill anybody, even someone who maybe he he has some sort of affection for, even a woman. Um, but C. And and this is where I quibble with it. I think, like, from a story perspective, the writers were like, well, we can't have her hanging around in Act 3, so right. I guess she's got to die because right. there's nothing for her to do. Right, that's my vibe. Because it's got to be, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, they, they could have sent her back to Macau. They mm. absolutely could have, and they didn't. Well, that's they, cho- why, that's they chose the fridge. Let me quote and, Melissa. You know, they didn't have to leave her on the pier. <laughs> you can Melissa. you can drop her off somewhere else, Mark. Knock her out. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, they could have. So, but yeah, but he would have been seen as weak. He would have, but I mean, yeah, I mean, but the, I so. Not, I mean, not that I need to make this clear. Not that I enjoyed seeing her die, or that I felt like it was necessary. I, a way to backpedal. <laughs> Melissa would say no, that, you enjoyed seeing I, her die. That's what Melissa would tell no, you. I just, enjoy, <laughs> I just enjoyed seeing her because oh my god, uh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I under I understand why it was done um, because I mean, those of us who pay attention to what happens in Mexico, I mean, this happens all the time with the cartels, like. Anytime anybody's even remotely seen as betraying anybody from the cartel leaders, they're gone. Not only they, oh, yeah. but their entire families. Yeah. So I, I completely understand why that decision was made. Um, but I mean, could they have sent her to back to Macau? Yeah, they, they could have. Yeah. But I understand why it was done. I don't necessarily think it's like the fridging thing. I, I yeah, I mean. We could we could obviously debate that till the end of time, but I am bringing it up because it is, it is another example of you know another dead woman with James Bond, yeah. and you know anytime that trope happens. But I think this, but this is the beauty of Skyfall, is for better or worse, it takes and concentrates every single thing about the Bond universe. And it puts it all very perfectly into this mold. And it never feels like they're they're just, you know, doing the checklist. Which right, is something right. we've complained about right, with other yes. ones. Like, oh, we've got to do X, Y, and Z. Right. They do all the things. But they, you know, even down to that last scene where, you know, finds is the new M. And, you know, Bond could have come in and thrown his hat on the hat rack for as like as much as a direct appeal that was to the original Connery Bonds. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they do it all so perfectly and to wit 
they probably felt like, oh yeah, it's it's time to fridge a woman here because that is what happens in a Bond movie, for better or for worse. But okay, so I'm going to so. counter with there are specific passages in this movie to let you know that we're not doing the old Bond. Um, Silva saying, "Oh, those little trinkets that from Q Division." Uh, oh yeah, no, they that's do. Not the way of the world anymore. Q himself saying, "Yeah, we, we don't do that shit anymore." We don't do exploding uh, pens. Money, yeah, penny, great money line. penny, not being some, you know, like weak little secretary that just does everything everybody tells her to do. She was an actual badass on the field. She yep. freaking killed Bond himself. So yep. like, there's a definite break. The fact that we have the original Aston Martin as a callback, yes. and then they blow it the fuck up. It's it's a Ooh. definite break from old Bond. We're moving past old Bond. So I, I I don't know. I, I When I saw this in the theaters opening weekend, that was the thing people booed at when the car flew yeah. up. They yeah. were so and mad. I, like, no, they applauded the when the car showed up and then they booed when the, well, when the car and I think up. I think to Mark's point, you could say it's redemptive that the Bond part of the movie is proactive, right? Oh yeah, and I would still yeah. say I I, I I lean to Andy on this because I still think there are tropes that, but again, it's hard to break that mold, right? You're still stuck Hi. in in, and that's where I'm excited to see the new one, because you know you you started it with Casino Royale, you really hit it with Skyfall. Let's see if they've cleansed the trope wheel, right? Well, already the trope's been broken because we have a Bond girl who's actually moving on to another film. Like that's never happened before. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, from one film to the but next. But I mean, that's the that's the premise. Not as the same character. Yeah, that's the not as the same character. That's right? the premise <laughs> that I'm getting at is you've made strides with Bond per se, but you didn't necessarily make all the strides with the movie. So will the movie keep up with the strides you're making to get rid of the Bond tropes, or will you still have? Poseidon theory here you steer my hovercraft while I dip my wick in you right like will you like will those tropes that is exactly the Poseidon theory come on now yeah that's frozen (laughs) but I think to Andy's point I I still did struggle with some of the stereotypical bond tropes like yeah why did you go to Skyfall without an army never mind right um but yeah, that's okay. yeah. Some of those things I because it, it was a fun scene. Was like fifty feet deep. I know because Sam Mendes was like, "Check out that castle. Let's hang out here for a little while." Right it into the plot. Right. So, but right. yeah, I I still saw some of those tropes like you did, Andy. Redemptive by a lot of the things the movie fixed, but there were still one or two things that I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah, but okay, but I'd like to play that devil's advocate here. If the movies are progressing and still amazing as crap, do the tropes just make them better? If they're part, like, are people going to be, like, is it going to get a whole bunch of fanboys coming out of the woodwork? Like, that's not a Bond movie. You can't have a girl in Star Wars. Like, (laughs) like, are we we going to lose some of it if we take all the tropes out? Obviously, refrigerating doesn't need to be one of them that stays. But can we keep some of these sort of in, like, throwback and in honor of, of where we've come from and still make great, progressive, fantastic movies. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Brooke, when you brought up Batman earlier, I actually think that the films that Skyfall is most like Mm -hmm. are Nolan's Batman begins and the dark Knight. 
Yeah. That they're they're both auteur driven. They definitely have a take on the character. They have a, a visual style and a visual language to them and um, made by filmmakers who think more broadly about filmmaking and um, you know, but they're doing it within the confines of this one character and this one genre with very, very specific tropes that do have to be met so that people say like, right. oh, that is that is this thing. Otherwise, so, it just I, becomes a totally new movie. Right. Because a Jason Bourne movie is not a James Bond movie. Right. A Mission Impossible movie is not a James Especially Bond Especially if movie. Jeremy Renner's in it ruining the shit. <laughs> and sometimes you just want bond to be bond even if you hate him for it even if you're going to tear him apart for it later like i've stuck around for this long don't make it something else now that we're still on board right like we can we can both be like oh han solo's a scoundrel but we want to see han solo be a scoundrel right you know, as long as Jeremy Renner movie. doesn't play him and wreck the <laughs> shit. <laughs> Can you imagine Jeremy Renner as Han Solo? Oh my! God. Oh, that would be like the worst movie. <laughs> you, you shut your dirty mouth. I, I hey, I like I, Jeremy Renner in in certain things. He is very good in a lot of things. If if the if the solo movie proved anything is that there can be no other Han Solo. And really, who else could have been in that? Oh, what was the bomb disposal movie? That was one of the uh, Hurt Locker. That was one of the, oh, the that was one of the best yeah, movies was, ever. And, great, and that was it was oh because of my him. God. He was great in that. So shout I out! I watched that him. movie while my brother was still over there. As oh an God, EOD no. tech. Oh, yikes. And Gosh. it was too fucking yep. much. Whew. Shout out Jeremy Although, Renner. I will say, my little brother's also an asshole because he was like, hey, you need to watch this movie. It's about like what I'm doing right oh, now. Wow. I watched it and <laughs> I was like, I God, hate bro. you. <laughs> yeah. I hope that, that bomb some, explodes. Shout out Jeremy Renner for not ruining that franchise. <laughs> at some point, we'll do the Mission Impossible movies and we'll talk about Renner as like the the counterpoint to Cruz in the, in the later movies because... That's Wait, fascinating. Are we going to do all of them? We'll have to. Yeah. If we're going to do Mission Impossible, yeah. sure. We're, we're going to speed bump Even two. In 2025, ah. we'll get to. I hate them so much. And okay. really? Enjoy your doves. Oh, my God. Enjoy your doves. Yeah, Mark. those fucking doves <laughs> flying out of the goddamn cave. Have I, have I told you my take on. Go suck a dove. Oh, I have I told them. you my, my take on how to watch the Mission Impossible movies, the order? No. You watch them all in order of theatrical release, except for two, which you save to the end and then pretend it's a parody. And then it works. You, so bring, well. you put Ben Stiller's face on Tom Cruise the whole time. And it's great. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think part of the problem might be that I don't know that I've seen any of them but two. Oh, man, you're missing out, though. Wow. No, you're I may have watched... Out. Is there a fourth one? I might have watched the yes. fourth one and slept through it. The fourth one's it. the one with Renner. The one, yeah. the one with the most Renner. He's, uh, he's, it's he's the Rennerist. It. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the Rennerist. The Rennerist. It's the one I where rendered they're like, it hey, we're going to make Jeremy Renner the centerpiece of the new Mission Impossible movies. And then, like, nah, we'll, we'll keep it on Tom Cruise. Never mind. Watching, <laughs> watching Mission Impossible 2 is like watching The Godfather 3 and going, well, that's probably the best I'm going to see. Oh, Jesus Christ. The Godfather oh, my gosh. <laughs> Godfather. I will never understand the purpose of that goddamn movie. 
dad, are we in the mafia? Yeah. Or watching like Cars 2 and being like, well, that's Pixar for you. Like Andy oh, Garcia, geez. like, you know, Andy Garcia is the reverse. <laughs> you just made me time. choke. He's, he's a Latino pretending to be an Italian. <laughs> hey, that's good. Hey, we did hey. it. Ah. What is De Leon backwards? <laughs> I Everybody, love you, the shittiest movie ever. <laughs> I hate that. He's so horrible. Oh All right, well, I'm not going to watch any of those until we have to for the show. Anyway, well, yeah, well, well, so coming in 2025, we'll do the Mission Impossible movies, because <laughs> we're, we're already that scheduled out, apparently. Anyway, and he's going to keep making movies. Like you said, Andy, it's going to be Mission Impossible 14, and we'll have to yep. time it to the By release. Then we'll be... Oh my god, can yeah. we please never do Final Destination? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd be glad to not do that. Yeah, that's fine. That's not Final Destination 385. Yeah, no, we're we almost there. there. Starring Candyman. The finalist destiny. <laughs> also Jeremy Renner. In Scream. All right. Uh, <laughs> Scream for your candy, man. <laughs> okay. Back to Skyfall. <laughs> I, I, I will bring this back around to another thing that we that we skipped over. Because I want to talk about Eve, Moneypenny, and help <sighs> Oh, yes. Can I yes. just marry her? Can I take her home yes. and marry her and have yes. babies for her somehow? She's the money penny. Oh my gosh, yes. We've oh deserved since day one. Yeah. She's delicious. She's everything. Yeah, she is. She and is. Smart and fucking on point and just, God. And she kills Bond. AKA Jeremy Renner. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> she kills Bond, but like, but she's like, she saves a ton of people. Like, you watch that scene where M is under attack in the yeah. parliament briefing room, mm-hmm. and she saves like that entire room of people before James shows up. Yeah, but she kills she Bond, rocks. and she keeps going. It yeah. doesn't yep. even fucking phase her. She's like, no, I'm going back into the field. Yeah, I'm doing everything I need to do. And she's like, she's just freaking solid. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see you know how they flesh her out in the future. Yeah. God, I want I to just, see her in the future. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I want to see her in the future. See her in the present. I'd too. give her some nachos. I'd give her. I'd give her what I get for nachos. Wait a minute. She'd, <laughs> what are, what, what she'd I say, get? sir, put those away. Nobody wants to see those. <laughs> Nobody wants to see. Why those. are those so low? Meanwhile, on the other side of the podcast, everyone is very confused. Psychic nipples. No. Are those your knees, sir? <laughs> sir, can you please cover up your knees? Those are some pretty hairy knees. What's going on? <laughs> anyway, speaking of hairy knees, um, what was um, your favorite part of the part where he's in Skyfall? I um, I love montages of getting houses ready for obvious invasions. Like that's always my favorite gag because all of a sudden there's like gasoline and nails and all kinds of stuff that they can somehow turn into. Look, like, the weapons room is empty. Yeah, We're so screwed. Except we have <laughs> nails and concrete and stuff that will... I am anyway, I love dying, that. I love that part. I am dying to try to replace light bulbs with shotgun shells and nails. I, I so want to try that so bad one of these days. Because I want to see if it actually... Starring happens. Richard Dean Anderson as James Bond. Could we myth That's bust a MacGyver this? joke. You're welcome. Can we just like oh, yeah. myth do yeah. this? Would be awesome. That Andy, would be an interesting your house? myth bust. Yeah. Um, no, it. I don't think we can do it at my house. We'd have to find <laughs> a, 
safe area. I, I loved that brief hesitation where you were actually considering it. And he's like, well, I have that attic that no one uses except Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm not getting my security deposit back. Sure. Let's let's do, do myth busting with the with the light fixtures. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, no, that I I agree that that montage was a lot of fun. Uh, it definitely had like a Kevin McAllister vibe to it. Yeah, Home Alone. Um, yeah, but my favorite part of being in Skyfall is Albert Finney. Finney, yes, well done, Finney. Finney was so good in that role. He is just so perfect. Batman. What? It's just, like, it's just like Batman. Oh, it's just like Batman. Yes. Like I'm Alfred. Like, when was Albert yes. Finney in a Batman movie? What am I? Albert. He was, he was Alfred. He was Scrooge Batman Albert. in the 1967 Alfred. version. The musical Scrooge <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Your brain is a it. fascinating place, JB. It's really quite empty most of the time. It's scary. Really. Big, he was in the Big Fish Batman. Oh, it was. The Tim Burton crossover. Movie. So, yeah, uh, Finney's amazing, and I, I, I almost hate to call this a piece of trivia because many people know this, but that part was originally conceived of as yes. a place for Sean Connery to potentially dun, dun, appear dun, in the movie. Dun, dun, dun. Not Jeremy Renner. Joke's still going. I'm, I'm so glad it was <laughs> no. Finney. And not Connery, and I, I feel like that is like kind of blasphemy, but I don't know. So they were I, really gonna have Connery be? Yeah, he was. Benny? He yeah. was gonna be this random flat cap wearing groundskeeper. And it God. was a thought, I'm but but so they glad they didn't do that. Yeah, there was a thought, but they immediately said that they did not want to screw with continuity because that definitely would have screwed with continuity. Well, it would also take you out of the movie. What would happen? If suddenly Sean Connery showed up and you're like, oh, yeah, no, his name is what's his name? O'Malley. Oh, O'Malley. McTeague. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the the grand the groundskeeper. It's Albert Finney. But Albert if, Finney. if Sean Connery had shown up, then everyone's like, wait, is he James Bond? That's it would have been like if Harry and Hermione had seen Harry and Hermione. Yes, very true. If they would have named him like groundskeeper, if they would have named him groundskeeper Willie, I would have allowed it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if he would have yelled, if he would have yelled, "Grease me up, woman," and had Judy Dench grease him, grease up, me up, woman, that would have been worth it. But other than that, no, I'm with you, Andy. <laughs> Suddenly, the ugliest man in Glasgow was not good enough for you. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, but I, Albert Finney, just so good and so good in this role and like doing a lot with a little, like sometimes he just walks in and like gives a look and you're like, oh, wow. Like he doesn't have a line. He just like doing a lot with a little Mark DeLeon. 2021 <laughs> story of my life <laughs> chapter one this is Born what we call dating <laughs> oh. <laughs> no you know in all seriousness i love when he, when he 
That's true. Sorry. Let's that stay away a, from me and my penis great, for five that minutes. That was a great y'all. transition, Mark. Thank you. For, <laughs> in all seriousness, poor Anna. Uh, one, one of the scenes I love the most with Albert in it is when he just walks up and pulls the knife, puts it on the table, and says, "There are the old ways." Oh, that and that knife is that. the. It's so and heavy. that knife is the fucking Chekhov's gun too. Yep. Yep. It's so good. Yeah. It's yep. like, wow. Oh, so much payoff. This film is just like immaculately put together. There's it's there's so, so much... good that I started it at midnight and didn't fall asleep. Wow. That's a lot for an old ass woman. <laughs> wow. That's huh. yeah. That's and not for a movie I that can... I've seen before. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, I will always watch Many this times. movie. Oh I mean yeah, I will. I will always watch this movie too. But if I put it on at midnight, there were a couple times when I thought about eh, it's like ten thirty. I don't think I should start Skyfall because I don't want to fall asleep in the middle of it. So that's that. That's amazing, actually. I don't want to miss a thing. And I don't want to miss a thing. That's a different, different <laughs> movie theme song. But yeah, imagine Aerosmith in the. Uh, doing the James Bond thing. Anyway, hey, they're still around. Movie. There's there's a chance they can. I don't wanna close <laughs> my eyes. Anyway, um, so sleep cause I miss you, the end of Skyfall. <laughs> okay, so uh, this. This I told Steven through... Tyler once that I was in love with his daughter because I, I made it to the very front of, of the stage. <laughs> and he gave me a stare down and my cousin uh, elbowed me. He's like, dude. Is that why you have like, a microphone? I got to look at me. Did you? Because I was so in love with Liv Tyler. Did you say I? you didn't live until you did that? Is that what you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was kind of cool because I just screamed and then there was silence. He just stared me down. And I'm like, oh. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. What year was this, Mark? Oh, my God. Oh, shit. This was 97, 98? No, shit. Hmm. So it was pre-Lord of the Rings, but post-Empire Records. Yes, Mm. definitely post-Empire Records. I was in love with her ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be her Rex Manning. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so oh that's that's funny it was it was steven tyler gave you a stare down over that so. and then his penis went inside and forever hence has it been a micro penis a turtle shell and it never came back out that's been my curse in so, all serious the tyler curse you like that uh that amazing video then with... i really do yeah yeah brooke I thoughts don't... on the amazing <laughs> music video from uh, I don't think I've ever seen it <gasps> uh, Liv Tyler and, and um, Alicia Silverstone uh, break out of Catholic school to go do amateur stripping it's oh, dear my God. favorite part Hilarious. is we love Skyfall so much that we literally can't talk about it <laughs> Because there's nothing to say. It's like we said, this is one of the greatest movies ever. There's all kinds of good stuff about it. Fucking Aerosmith, bitches. Like, what happened? (laughs) 
Jeremy Renner up in here, Batman. The video ends with a tractor. Uh, Come on. Anyway. I, I know that's crazy. I right? just wanted okay. to, to bring it yeah. down at the 50 minute mark to, to help. I mean, we've talked about Mark's penis like three times. I know. I feel like I need to have sex with all three of you now. Wow. Uh, well, this just, well, uh, you time, know, separate. Sorry, I'm know. losing you. What's my connection look? Huh. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely want to miss a thing. <laughs> <laughs> all it wow. took was one year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so oh let's God. talk about. Don't act like you don't want let's to. Let's talk about the Greek mythology tie-in, Andy, because this is so obviously a mother with the prodigal son, and right, the two sons. She dies in the mm-hmm. arms of one. Spoiler alert: she dies. Like I thought, that was a really unique part of this. Is it wasn't just the bond, but like you were talking about, Mark, it was also M, like the. The you know the sins of the mother become the sins of the son almost kind of thing and Bardem makes a big point of that throughout the film and then it sort of comes to fruition at the end and I I just thought that was a really cool part of the film also because um, again a lot Here's a what... lot of times in Bond movies the side characters don't have much to do right they're just sort of there and this was almost right. like and Mark you alluded to this her part was almost as big as his. Right. In terms of how yeah, the movie right. moves along with these two. And I, I just think that's a really cool and I hope we see it again, like you said, Mark, in No Time to Die. But I'm worried this is the only time we'll get a side character who drives just as much of the story um, as Bond does. I, so I think with the reboot from Daniel Craig, uh, ever since Daniel Craig came to the scene, the questions we've had about Bond is how did we get here? Like, how did he get to where he's at how did he become a double o and then the other question is why is he the way he is and we don't necessarily have those questions answered with old bond uh, from connery to to uh, brosnan but ever since craig came on board we had the how did he come to be and i think this movie is the answer to why is he the way he is um because this totally shaped him as a person as an agent because by the time we get to the end and we have new M, uh, he asks him if he's ready for duty. And he's like, with pleasure, sir. Um, so now he's totally for queen and country and all that stuff. Um, that's what that's what I love about both Casino Royale and Skyfall. Like we have those two big questions answered and then we build upon that in Spectre, which you guys hate. And I'm, I'm already bummed out about reviewing that movie with y'all, but whatever. Yeah. But I like that those two big questions are answered with uh, Casino Royale and Skyfall. Are you talking about, you just mentioned Spectre, is that what you just said? Yes. Yeah. 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 JB has a problem I, with it and I, I have a problem with him. I haven't seen it yet. I know. I have a problem with Ooh, it. Oh, dude. I, oh, I we, we should do a watch party. I don't dislike Spectre. I dislike I thought you, Quantum of Solace. Who's the one who didn't like Spectre? Was Me. it? Well, I'm, I'm. I'm a little bit bored by Spectre. That's a, that's a fair. I don't word. dislike yeah. it. I don't. I don't hate it. I. It's a. It retreaded. I feel a like bit. it. I feel like Spectre stepped up to the plate and called it shot that it was going to be a home run, and then only hit a double. That that's my that's my only problem. With Which it. is way better it than called the ball and scratched on the eight ball. <laughs> wow. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to it soon enough. Yeah, 
next podcast i teach everyone about sports analogies next, coming next on... i meant to say whole okay, okay? <laughs> i realized they screwed it up and it was too late anyway i, I mean just I, talking about i hear, balls, I I hear you Andy. Balls. it was it was a little i you know but again it's kind of like quantum how do you follow a, a great group? right so yeah. that's what i'm yeah i'm i'm kind of with you there yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of really interesting issues that they try to bring over from Skyfall, and they just they just aren't as developed any well. Anyway, so I have this other sort of grand theory of like this later Bond um, that specifically I think they are interrogating the use of or the utility I should say of human intelligence okay. of of having an agent in the field this this comes up a lot um i mean even starting in the 90s um you know and that's one of the interesting things when when m sh shows up in goldeneye they they call her like the queen of numbers and like she's going to use algorithms and whatever and she calls bond a dinosaur and by this movie she's like defending you know the the status of double o agents and how important it is um and i think they're still interrogating that and they continue to do that especially inspector yeah. and um the the character um that that hot priest plays in in that like we'll we'll get to talk about all of that but i think it's it's sort of the question and it's a meta question about the franchise. Like, do we really still want to do this? Right. And the answer always comes back being, yeah, yeah. we still really want to do this. Right. So <laughs> it, it, it's in it, that it's voice fine. too. Cause I love when you do that voice. <laughs> we really want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want to do this. Unless it's Jeremy Renner. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Yeah. James Jeremy Bond. Renner has Irish nachos. The next bad guy in the Bond film. <laughs> no, there's a, a Bond girl, except he's a Bond guy. And his name's <laughs> Irish, Irish nachos. nachos. And he has he Why has is everybody the, always after me nachos. Yeah, exactly. There you go. See, yep. With grounds, groundskeeper Willie as the ghost of Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, I I like that, Andy. I mean, that's kind of the same. I yeah, Spectre was fine, right? It was it was fine. I watched it. I thought it was fine, but it didn't. It was the quantum of solace thing. I'm like, I kept waiting for it to take. Fine, like, we'll get to yet, it. You know, but it was. Yeah. Eh, okay. I liked that part of the movie. I didn't like the, um, the whole like I'm the author of all of your pain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm like, bitch, you didn't have anything to do with Raúl Silva. Like, what are you talking about? You did not. And um, well, he killed his. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, we'll Spoilers. talk about that. Which movie had the Komodo show. dragon? This one. Yeah. This, this one. one the, oh. And the freshman the with uh, with Maxwell. Yeah. It was Maxwell. There show. she is, <laughs> your Komodo dragon. I love any movie with an unnecessary Komodo dragon because you know there's a Komodo dragon union somewhere. And they're like, you know, guys, it's been like six <laughs> months since we've had a Komodo dragon terrorizing someone in a movie. Can we? Uh... I think they protested this movie. Like, we're not all bad. 
Hashtag not all Komodo dragons. <laughs> they keep painting us in a bad light. Look, just we because you took down one, what, like in the one back Macau of a Volkswagen? <laughs> Thank you, Brooke, for bringing up my favorite joke once again. No one ever gets it, and it makes me so sad. I say it all the time. I love that joke so much. <sighs> I do too. Uh, thanks, Ben Affleck, for yeah, everything. For Jiggly. For, yeah, well, for, for, existing... for that joke in Mallrats. Jiggly. It's Jiggly anyway, if you watch it uh, try to carry coffee. Okay. I've actually never seen that one either. Yeah. Definitely not a watch. We need to hang out. You need to catch up on movies with us. We'll, Let's hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I wanted to bring okay. up, specifically because we were talking about Macau, okay. and we talked about Shanghai. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting here is the setting of the film in China. And not that Bond hasn't ever done uh, things in, in China or Japan or the East before, because he definitely has. But this, I feel, was a very, very intentional play to um, go for the Asian cinematic audience. Um, Bond has never had like a giant um, international <laughs> footprint's oh. the wrong thing to say because Bond has always, always been big in England. Uh, he's always been big in America, but not so much in China, Singapore, uh, et cetera, China. which are increasingly becoming the big movie markets. And, you know, most big American studio movies of this size now are expected to make as much or about the same, sometimes even more overseas than they do in the US. And, um, you know, Bond has never had a real footprint there. I feel like in the same way, Mark, cover your ears so you don't flip the table. Uh, Iron Man 3 the best had a lot Iron of- Man. Had, Iron Man 3 had a lot of specific like, product Ray. placement. Yep for Chinese products and like an entire subplot about like Chinese side characters right. that was not in the American version. Sky, uh, Skyfall doing those scenes in Shanghai and making them look so high tech and so cool and in Macau and making it look as awesome as it did, I think was very much a play for that. And I think that it's a recognition of the need to, you know, go for an international audience outside the U.S. Having said that, Andy, I am disappointed that they did not jump on the opportunity to film a scene with a sunken battleship with lopsided furniture inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> you like, that's just missed opportunity, man. Isn't, isn't it funny, though, that they, they try that to drive true. so much revenue to a, a film in China and then the Chinese censors have to edit a whole bunch of the movie so it's not seen in a negative light like didn't they have to cut all of the violence and prostitution in um in the scenes and the komodo dragons no we kept the, they kept the dragons for some reason because they couldn't be prostitutes well, the dragons are they're they're the komodo dragon union is based yeah. in china as long as they were as long you know, as they weren't prostitutes they could use all the komodo dragons those dragons must keep their pants they're like, on we have three conditions for this movie <laughs> being released in china <laughs> It has to show China in a positive light. But no we need Komodo to do something dragon. cool in our casinos in Macau. 
and you've got to have Komodo yep. dragons. The Sino-Komodo dragon relations in Asia are quite strong. Yes, indeed. So uh, I agree. Uh, yeah. Okay, but you were saying they did they did they have to cut? I think they cut. They cut this? the security guard getting killed in Shanghai. They cut the no uh, way. They cut the references to prostitution. Um, I want to say they cut one more thing. Um, hide references to torture by Chinese security forces. Um, any oh, anything yeah. that's morally or politically damaging to China. Snowflakes. Yeah, but just snowflakes. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it's they're fairly minor. That wouldn't fly here in the U.S. of A. It's it's fairly minor. America. James you know Bond is they canceled. They needed that sheriff. In I this think it's. Movie. I think it's. In, it's really. It's interesting though because Javier Bardem's entire character is a, a relatively anti-government. What the hell component. is wrong with you, yellow bellies? <laughs> not letting no dragons come in this movie. I'll tell you what, boy. That's possibly the worst Italian accent I've ever heard. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Could you imagine if Sheriff Pepper showed up or some character like that? What if like Vince Vaughn just showed up in the middle of this movie, being like, "Hey, I'm an ugly American. I'm I'm terrible." And then he high fives like, Owen Wilson <laughs> at a cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I'm, I'm like, buy that little prostitute. He comes. It would totally not. He comes out me. and he's like, "Turn off the charm. I'm immune, Daniel." Like that kind of thing. What are y'all eating? Octopus? Ain't no Big Macs around here? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so I should have kind of heard something like that in Italy. That's embarrassing. To, to the point of the international box office, though, uh, this movie made smoke on It crossed a billion, didn't it? Uh, I mean, overall. It, it, it crossed, oh yeah, $1.1 billion overall. Uh, $806 million of that from outside the U.S. Um a Thank lot of that know. in Britain. Britain was like almost three hundred million, um, if if I remember That's correctly. Crazy. It's this is still in the like top ten uh, British box office movies of all time. Deservedly so, so, man. This movie's fantastic. Yeah, it's really and it really doesn't good. even have and Aerosmith. It, Thanks a lot for the side chat. That's the one thing it's got going against. It. Um, yeah. No, it made a lot of money in in Asia Pacific too, Andy, didn't it? It wasn't it equivalent. Yeah it, yeah, it did. Yeah, it was it was fairly I mean, so like yeah, 800 million worldwide, so like uh 300 some odd million in like the UK, Europe in general, and yeah, like a half a billion dollars in Asia. Uh so it worked. Uh people love this movie uh across Asia. So this was um, you know, good, good call by them to, you know, film those scenes in, in Shanghai that, um, make it look like it's, uh, Blade Runner Andy, I'd be in and the not too distant. Well, I'm, I'm interested in that too, because that I always pool? feel like you can't, I always feel like there's more to it, right? Like it can't just be that you film it in China and it makes that many more people interested in it. Right. I mean, is there another machination at work? Like, is there, is it just extra marketing dollars? Do they do lots of billboards and commercials and the like? Like, I always feel like there's more to it. You know what I mean? I, I think that there are also, um, like, okay, let me, let me say this in a way that is going to be less problematic. The American cinematic 
audience has definite like tastes right. and things that they like and things that they don't. And there are conventions that they like and conventions that they don't. And I think that the same is true for a lot of other countries, okay. though I won't generalize quite so much. Um, and and I think if you watch movies that do really well overseas uh, or that, um, you know, are sort of at parody with the U.S., uh, you look at Avatar, uh, you look at um, Aquaman, uh, you look at at the Fast and Furious movies. You look at basically everything James Wan has ever touched. Speaking of Aquaman, um, you know, there, there's just, I, I don't know, a, a sort of like je ne sais quoi about like what folks are looking for that does really well um, with, with a lot of those audiences. And I don't think it's pandering uh, I think it's just understanding what the like aesthetic sensibilities are uh, in various places. And it's ultimately why Marvel has been so super successful is they're able to find this weird, like lowest common denominator okay. that everybody right. loves. Well, and you and I talked about so. this last year. I remember because we were talking about the bet, how Mission Impossible Fallout was one of the best mm -hmm. soup to nuts crafted action film ever, right? Like it Absolutely. lacked for nothing. And I remember a part of what we talked about is how does a movie that great, granted it made like 150 million here and made maybe 250, 300 in outside of the world, right? How does a movie Travis, right? How does a movie so like good. that? I mean, granted Tom Cruise huge in China still makes tons of money mm -hmm. in China. But I always feel like there's more to it. Like, is it because it's a niche film? Whereas, like, it's not an R-rated film, so it's not that niche. Um, mm -hmm. Like, what are the other... That's what. That's why I appreciate you answering the, the previous question. Because I always feel like there's something else going on that allows a movie to make a billion dollars worldwide. Whereas a, a movie like this, like Fallout, makes 400, you know? And again, it's the same push in the China market. Because they push Tom Cruise movies like crazy over there. They don't necessarily always mm -hmm. film there. But, yeah, I it, I hearken back to that conversation going, we, we I don't know that we had a great answer then either. <laughs> why why some movies, even when they're marketed in Asia Pacific extensively, um, granted make double what they make here, but not to the extent of other places, whether it's release date or what. I, I think it's also just sort of nailing something that's in the zeitgeist as well. Okay. I, I'm going to say something that I think is going to be kind of a downer. I don't think we're ever going to have another movie like Avengers Endgame ever again. I think there will be other movies like Avatar. I don't think there will be another Avengers Endgame. In what way, though? Um, in that there was so much anticipation and so much hype and so much collective goodwill wanting to see this film and have it be sort of everything and have it be this like redemptive moment. Everybody was like, God, we just really need like a win culturally. We want to go out and we need this like balm for our souls to make us feel better because everything is so crappy. Um, and 
I think that given the challenges of movie theaters and now with um, movie studios experimenting with, with day and date on streaming platforms instead of just going to movie theaters, um, I think a lot of people are going to stay home from big event movies from now on because they're just not going to care to see it if they can, like, you know, watch it at home. Right. And um, so I and I don't think it's the same experience. I think seeing Avengers Endgame in a crowd and everybody going crazy when T'Challa walks through that portal, right? right. And when when Spider Man swings through that portal, and when when fucking Mjolnir flies through the air and Captain America grabs it, right? Like. People are, I, I just, that movie is like algorithmically created to like poke people's pleasure centers and brains to release the like largest amount of dopamine possible to just make you feel good for a right. moment. And when you're in there collectively with a crowd, it is intensified. And I just, I I don't think as many people are ever going to go back to the theaters. I don't think we're going to have that same sort of thing. Now, I could be wrong. I think, if anything, I actually think No Time to Die might, bring might, yeah. might be a film that could do that. Um, I I don't want to put too many hopes on it. Though. Yeah, and you and but you run man, in, that would and you cool run into the I think the difference. And I was thinking about this, you know, because they re-released Avatar because they wanted to be tools and take over the top spot, even though it's thirty three percent the movie that uh, I mean, basically Avatar well, is is Pearl Harbor with with um, special effects. You know what I mean? Like I I can't stand the movie. Fern Gully yeah, and Pocahontas. I, I just and, can't get yeah. into it. Yeah, but. You know, you're right. I, th I think the infrastructure was changing before Endgame, and I think Endgame was a blip in the radar of how that works. My bigger concern with movies is the price, right? Because the, the dollar amount, yeah. I mean, and we've talked about that on this podcast, it's really hard to justify taking 2.8 kids, you know, two adults and throwing down $80 when, as we all know on this podcast, you could get Hulu, you could get Amazon Prime, you could get Netflix, you could get HBO Max, all for like $25 a month. Save that money, buy yourself a big screen TV and watch every single movie for free right. in your house, right? And I say this as a person, and you all know this, who likes Godzilla more than anybody and is still not planning to go see it because why? I can watch it at home as many times as yeah. I want and as many times as systems as I want, right? So Dude, no, I'm built differently. Well, man. but I but again, to, I, have to see I, I think there are a smaller contingent of people. And, and I agree with you, Mark. I'd love to. I mean, I'm not going anywhere till end of summer. Um, but you, if the right. situation were different, I would still go and watch movies that were really, really important to me. Now, will I go every Sunday like I used to go before? Maybe not, because like you said, Andy, the options are much more expansive, right? It's the same thing right. we, we were talking about this with concerts. I used to go to every concert possible just because I like to see live music. Well, now it, it may take, I, you know, I may be a little more selective, not because I like music any less, but 
I trust the environment a little bit less maybe than I used to. But I also get tired of I get tired of paying thirty dollars for a band that's worth seven fifty back in the day because you got to pay venue fees and right all those other kinds of things. Yeah. So right. I think that's the bigger difficulty that I have is I st- I'm with you all. I still love movies. I love the shit out of movies. I love being in theaters with people laughing and joking. But I also don't love you know a third of my paycheck going to movies. You know because of how much they cost right and you can pare it down but, and you can right. do amenities and all that kind of stuff but still it's an expensive endeavor anymore compared to how it used to it be. is but some movies just aren't going to have the same effect at home no matter how much you want right. them to and i'm not saying like, that we watched a quiet place going. at home yeah and i wanted to shoot my perfect right. freaking eyeballs out because it was a horrible but i've heard that in the theater it was right. actually really cool right but you're yeah. we're talking about the bell curve right like i'm not talking about right. there's obviously going to be 10 percent of the movies everybody's going to want to see just like there's 10 percent of all movies that have bruce willis and nobody ever wants to see ever again right i'm more worried about the fact that if, if we True. look at movies over the past five years really most movies are in that 70 to 80 percent meh kind of category right where there yeah. are remakes and sequels and stuff that's just really not that cool and that's where i'm worried that Andy, to your point, the industry is going to suffer because nobody's going to want to risk either the financial or the health related aspect of going to see middling movies again. Right. Brooke, I'm totally right. with you. There's there are 10 movies that are coming out this year that I may just cover myself in hand sanitizer and go watch regardless <laughs> of what's going on. You know what I mean? But I'm worried. Yeah. I'm worried that the 30 movies I used to see in between those, I won't go to anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we watched Raya and the Last Dragon last night with my kids here at home. Movie. So good. And like my whole body was just like, I wish this was on a giant exactly. freaking screen exactly. in front of my daughter Me for her too. to watch and be surrounded by other girls and watch this movie. Like it was beautiful. But you're right. For all of the Cars 2s that are going to come out, mm, not so worth it. Then yeah. that's the problem. It's it's the quality of the movies that are going to be hitting the theaters, and the studios need to wise up to yeah. that, man. Because you can't keep shoveling shit at us and think that we're going to continue to eat that. Just you to know, have something certain... to do for with the family exactly. on the weekend, it's not when worth Netflix it. Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime are starting to kick your ass. Then you, the problem is you, and if you don't fix it, then. You, can't if fucking peacock is kicking your ass no then shit, y'all right? gotta do some thinking i think the yeah they, get, they gotta do some thinking. two things one andy i love what you said about how this is the first oscars you're almost excited for and again i think oh yeah I think that's part of the parody right parody is like it there is less content and the content that comes out has to be better um and i think that's really important for like you said mark for filmmakers and studios to be aware of um, that you can't keep shoveling that at us. And I think, Andy, the point I was going to make, and I forgot to make it on your page, I wish the Grammys would learn from that because I'm sick of all of the crappy music that we just keep shoveling at everybody. And we wonder why nobody watches the Grammys and nobody buys albums and nobody does things anymore because I, I think movies, because of COVID, are having to learn what I think music will learn in three to five years, which is computers can't write every song and expect us to keep buying it right but i i do i really like this conversation about it's a paradigm shift 
right? Endgame, I think, Andy, was your last paradigm movie in terms of having to, to get through all the noise and, and really making a movie that, that hits all those points. I don't know if we'll see it again, and I don't know if the industry will incentivize it, if that makes sense, which is sad. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I, I think we'll see those days again, Andy. I think there is a George Lucas somewhere that's going to make a movie that's going to change everything again. Oh, you know, Mark. These things are cyclical. I, I hope mean, so. Misa's so yeah, excited for it. Misa, ready. Before Star Wars, you had a whole bunch of you had a whole bunch of uh, uh, grindhouse flicks that just were they were just average at best, man. Yeah. Like there was a, there was a period in the seventies where just movies were just they were just soulless for a while. But, and then but you also had you also had Scorsese oh, and you had oh, yeah 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 I, I'm, and, I'm I'm generalizing yeah. but for for yeah. a large part there was a, a huge chunk of the '70s where there just wasn't much movement in that world and then here comes mm. this guy and knocks uh, kicks the door uh, uh, open and a whole new world like the '80s was brilliant because of him and then now there's that curse where we we're having too much of that right. and we're repeating too much of that but there's going to be somebody who's going to come along and it's going to kick the door open and you know, the cycle will, will repeat itself. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. It's the circle. Yeah. Burke and I both go after the Disney theme songs <laughs> there. <laughs> we'll get to the Disney. Anyway. Geez, like, I, I am actually sad Raya is not coming out when everyone can go to the theaters because yeah, that too. movie is so good. And yeah. if I feel like if anything would get everybody back in the theaters that might be hey, it. Is there something in that movie for every? If they can re-release Avatar good. 16 and a half years later and still make money, always hold out hope that... Um, there oh, I... Did you I guys mean, like the original Avatar? No. Eh. I liked it. Ugh. I Friendship I timeout. I, I'm not, I want the four hours I like and the Gorney Weaver yeah. in it. I want the four hours I and like, 12 minutes back of my life. Yes, yeah, please. I don't know. There, there were things about it that I liked. I appreciated it. There you go. That's but I wasn't word. like, I wasn't moved by it. It didn't like hit me on a level where I felt like, oh, I'm learning something. I'm moved by something. I can see like a larger piece of humanity. I felt like it was like James Cameron showing me all the really cool things he could do with his toys. Um, I was low-key mad like, at it. These are really cool. I but... dug this shit out of it. Yeah, I was yeah. mad at it. We weren't really. Um, because I want that. Like it was. Meh. I don't have. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good sound for it. That's the sound of John Woo's doves pooping on you. That's exactly. Waiting for it to be this big, and everyone was like, "It's amazing! Your whole life will change. You have to see it in 3D." And at the end, like my head was hurting, and I was bored, and I had to pee really bad, and I was out of like red vines, and I was just like. Oh, Maybe out of red ate some Irish nachos. I was while watching. no, I was seriously nothing would have made it better. I was seriously bored too. I can't lie. I kept waiting. I could have. I could have done with some I, Irish I nachos. I had such big expectations Avatar. of it, <laughs> I kept, and then yeah. I was like, "Is this the same guy that made Titanic?" 
And then I went, it's Titanic right. on a planet. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense. This... I'll never let go, except for right now. I dropped my necklace over the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to our Adam Sandler <laughs> jokes. I like it. No, anyway, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's like you said, Andy. This, the, it, it is. Endgame is. I like it. Endgame I is. mean, here's a billion a dollar idea though like you like a lot of bond movies too (laughs) all the star wars movies back in like make sure that like they re-released all of the lord of the rings movies in imax and like no one could go see them get that back out there um heck put um put the nolan batman movies back in like get get like these movies that everybody loves to go see and get people back in theaters for like big fun communal experiences. Um, yeah, bring here, back Porky's. No, not Porky's. <laughs> here's another thing: Fourth of July, Hamilton sing along. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say yeah. Independence Day. I'm like, yeah, Bill oh, well, Pullman. <laughs> okay, I mean you can do Independence Day too. Today but, is our but, Independence Day. But for okay, people I never who saw like that movie seeing either. with the Hamilton, you know, you can show up with a big group of people and everybody can sing along and, you know, you'll be back in the theaters and people will love it. Anyway, I just, I think, I think folks will, I think folks would, would dig doing all of that. And that might give people a reason to go Mosquerade. back in a theater. I think, so. I think again, I think the, again, like, like you said, Mark there and, and Brooke, there are people I think who will brave anything. Um, but I think there is a definite subset of people who are kind of when you're, when something's taken away, you really look at whether you need it or not. And I think a lot of people are looking yeah. at the movie theater experience going until you make it user friendly again. I think a lot of people aren't going to go back and, and it's not the movie theater necessarily's fault. I think it's just the nature of the industry, but that's how, I mean, that's what airline travel was. 10 years ago, right? Uh, why do we need to take planes? It's really boring. And then planes made it more attractive again. And we went different places and we went nonstop and everything was fine again. Right. So like you said, the hope is that it's cyclical. My worry, Andy, is that studios are adjusting to not have the theater experience. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, that's what I worry yeah, about. It's too. like the big joke of Netflix making a documentary about blockbuster who put blockbuster out of business. Right. Like, let's talk about right. the greatness of Blockbuster, who we killed. <laughs> right. So, right. Like, it's it's almost like the carnage of theater is its I own. Really like yeah. That. It's, it's its own joke now. Right. Like, yeah. How we make jokes so. about cassette tapes. Oh, remember cassette tapes? Yeah, we started there. And that's how most of us got to where we are. That kind of stuff. It just makes me laugh. Nothing wrong with cassette. I know. And the, oh, yeah. they were still my favorite. But I still have an eight track. I, I may have a laser disc downstairs or two somewhere, but, uh, oh. but yeah, that's the same kind of thing, Andy. It's kind of like, I, I worry like you do that w- people recognize the trend and then make sure the trend stays and the Netflixes and Amazon primes are going to go. Yeah. Theaters. I mean, come on, you don't you don't need those. We'll just do everything in studio and the actors can show up or they can do it in the comfort of their own home. And you don't have to, you know, nobody has to work that hard anymore. And, Still crank out really good quality content, and I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch new movies at home. I really don't. I want to watch some new movies at home. I I, I enjoyed watching like Judas and the Black Messiah by myself. Like 
I didn't need to go to a theater necessarily to see. I'm that. glad like, I watched Wonder Woman 84 at home. <laughs> well, yeah, because I wasn't going to go to a theater. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> I would have been a little mad that I saw that like in a theater. I, right. Mark's but, glad like, he watched I, Porky's at home. <laughs> yes, he oh, is. This morning. <laughs> so, uh, but like, I I went to a critic screening of Tenet in like whenever that came out, and there were only like fifteen people in a big IMAX theater here in Austin, so there was plenty of social distancing. And but I sat there like wearing my mask and watching that movie, and that is a movie designed for the theater experience it is loud it is really beautifully shot and i just i was like this is not worth the like risk i am taking even though i feel like we've like tried to like make the risk like fairly minute and i'm like this this isn't going to save theaters and even if this came out i wouldn't be like oh yeah rush out to go see tenant um it's it's a good movie but it's not like oh my gosh you well the good news is is covid isn't real so y'all are good (laughs) stop your conspiracy mongering you'll get us you'll get us kicked off facebook sorry (laughs) no i'm just kidding don't worry about it um Okay, hey, so after that, uh, do we have any other last things we want to say about uh, Skyfall before we do our our normal bits? Um, Top three theme songs in any Bond film, easily. Oh, Adele wins it. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. How did we not talk about Adele? Adele wins it. Well, we were kind of talking about her the whole time. Yeah. Kind of yeah, were. There were lots of puns. So, so it is not. It, it is my top three. I don't know that it's my favorite theme song because, I mean, "Of You to a Kill" is just like running up the Eiffel Tower with Simon Le Bon in the video is gold. But I mean, it's hard because Andy, we talk about this. All the theme songs are so discrepant, right? Like, are you mm-hmm. in a sultry love song? skyfall for your eyes only kind of mood are you in an upbeat view to a kill right like so i i think it's really hard to pick one because the songs are so mood driven i know anything with jack white gets the bottom of theme songs because it's trash but um that's just bullshit okay so so my my we've talked about yeah our top songs. wait wait next week till we talk about sam smith oh, come on yeah. that's the bottom oh, of the man <laughs> good call <laughs> well done but yeah i mean top top three if not top two um and i yeah. think that makes a big difference in a movie like this because it does it sets the tone and i'd i'd be interested in where it falls for for all of you mark i know it's top oh, two or three for yours number one okay? She's it's my number, number one. one. Yeah. Number one I mean, with a bullet. I it's not as good as Moonraker, but I really like <laughs> Moonraker. <laughs> Moonraker. It's a Dill 1, Shirley Bassey 2, and that's the, I don't think that's mm. going to change anytime soon. I don't care how, how weird and depressing Billie Eilish's voice is. I don't think she's going to take those two down. Her EMP is probably broken. That's why Duran Duran beats her. uh yeah i i just i think it it totally works for the movie it um the the skyfall theme shows up within the movie which is always nice um 
we didn't talk about it in in the I Casino Royale episode, it? really. But Brooke. like, there's a you know, I I think there's something to be said about the Casino Royale theme just because that yeah. like. I think the lyrics for that especially also like tell the story of the movie as well. And that Well, Brooke just revealed yeah. something very heartbreaking. I okay. I, I, I didn't hear it. I'm sorry I was talking. I, was talking I like Adele. I just didn't really care for it. Okay. That's fine. That's the sound of million hearts breaking. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to fuck with Mark. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted some table flipping. How dare you? I wanted him to be able to see my face this time when I made the joke. (laughs) Touche. Brooks like, I'd like it more if it was an Italian song. Take that. (laughs) No, it was, it was beautiful. It's a great song. Yeah. I I love it. Can I marry her and Eve? And Sam. Yes. All things are possible. No. <laughs> no. He, Why won't that, you marry that... me, Brooke? <laughs> he's got that Tom Petty lawsuit uh, thing. You don't want any of that. He, you know. What did he do to Tom every Petty? Single cent. He, he stole the... his music. His mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom Petty uh, had that whole lawsuit that he. She um is a sexy woman. He that because he, he ripped off um, uh, what's it the called? Mattress tag. Won't back down. Yeah, won't back down. Oh, um, or yeah. So anyway, okay. we we can talk about that next week when we talk about Sam yeah, Smith. Talk about um, stupid Sam Smith. <laughs> but um, or not next week in two weeks. Sorry, because we're oh, we're true. gonna do yeah. another movie next week. But still, uh, our to watch. What? Our normal stuff. Yeah, oh. next week, Brooke, we're gonna do the Man from Uncle. That's right. With, um, with with one canceled person in it, so we'll Who's have to cancel him. Army Hammer. Yeah. Oh fuck! I forgot about him. He's, he's, really he's, he's about the him. uncle that wants you to sit on his lap. That's that Man from Uncle. He's so he's so canceled that I already forgot about him. Yeah, there you go. I mean, what's so, a little cannibalism among friends? <gasps> I think Indeed. the problem is that we weren't friends. <laughs> <laughs> or girlfriends. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so that's next week oh, okay. when we'll talk about Army Hammer. But, okay, finishing up Skyfall. Studio um, notes from Andy. Uh, Woohoo! Uh, well, first, yeah, get your get your studio notes ready. Uh, the I box office have to from run this. While you do box okay, office. Um, it, it, okay, P. Go okay. forth and P. Okay, so... This movie uh, released on the 8th of November, 2012. Its opening weekend made $88 million. That is a that's, good that's chunk a nice of change. People change. like that. That's, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And for a, for a total of $304 million overall, um, which, believe it or not, even though it's been less than 10 years, Adjusted for inflation in ticket prices, went up another almost fifty million dollars. Three hundred and forty-eight million dollars. Damn. So, uh, yeah, and I already gave international eight hundred and six million. So for a total of one point one million wow. overall, that's a, that's uh, a or one point one billion. billion. Uh, that's the first billion-dollar Bond movie. Um, th- this is. Uh, 
adjusted for inflation, the number three uh, Bond movie of all time. Uh, the number one is still Thunderball. Number two is um, uh, what's it called? Goldfinger. Goldfinger. So, um, but yeah, they did. They did uh, very, very well. Um, so lots of lots of money for them, and a big big hit. Uh, billion dollar franchise. Is Brooke back yet? Okay, no. we'll start. We'll start studio notes without her. I only have one studio note. Perfect movie. Don't change anything except don't shoot the girl. Don't have Sylvia shoot the girl. Yep. Yeah. That's my only thing I would change <sighs> yeah, it's in this not movie. horrible. I just don't change a thing. I think the movie's perfection. I want more. I want more Javier Bardem, Daniel Craig um, touching flirtation. I, I loved that. You just want an open sex scene. I love. I just. I thought it was such yeah. a great touch because the old. It was like the old, you know, fifties and sixties bad guys, right? It's that little, you know, how do you use the, just the openness and the sexuality and how it plays into um, how it puts people on edge as a character, right? I, I just think he was so well crafted um, of a I character. Mean, do you think? Do you think it was like? Uh... Sexual in nature, or was he just fucking with Bond, that's, making him uncomfortable? That's why it's a great. Oh. That's why it's a great um, character trait for a for a bad guy, right? What is, how does how do you gain power over someone? You know, you, yeah, it's make them really uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I loved it. I well, loved and, his character. And I mean, to use but to use like sexuality and pleasure as a weapon and a grooming technique to yeah. extract information. I mean, this is what they've been trained in it's what they do right um yeah we've yeah we've had this discussion over and over like how often do you actually have to seduce someone to get information from them but but they're trained in those things and you know it's i just i love it and i think it's kind of funny that he's using it on his fellow agent who would obviously recognize it so uh i like that it's a little bit funny. <laughs> this feeling, this feeling inside. inside. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this was this was the first theme song of James Bond to win the the Oscar, right? If I remember correctly, was it? I, I think win, that win an Oscar. No, I think. Uh, let me look because I remember. I thought Shirley Bassey where was, won where was my where's my notes? Uh, nominated Live and Let Die, For Your Eyes Only, Spy Who Loved Me, and C the unofficial Casino Royale, Skyfall, first theme song to win an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Really? Yeah, that's correct. And and somehow Sam Smith also won, even though, um, yeah. Uh, so we'll, which is terrible. And I think the, the other funny thing I remember is, do you know who was first offered Javier Bardem's role? Who? It's just, which is super funny in context. Oh, Think about Sam Mendes. I know this. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> That's actually if you, say, if you say Jeremy Renner, no. I swear to God. Think uh, about, Jude Law? No, think about Sam Mendes. Think about his films and who his main oh. characters were. Oh, uh, Leo DiCaprio? Uh, creepy. Kevin Spacey? Yes, Kevin Spacey was offered the Javier Bedemro, which meant he would oh. not have had to act at all. He would have just wow. had to be himself. But see, wow. but that's why I—that's why I guessed Jude Law because I was thinking Road to Perdition. Oh my gosh, not, he would have. Uh, oh, he was great. He would have been a great. Man. He would have been great yeah. in this role too. Yep. 
I mean, yeah. they're still trying to bring him on board. I uh, <sighs> I'm very excited for the next Sherlock Holmes. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I enjoy those. I like I like Jude Law. I think he's I underrated at this point. Isn't it? There was like that year where Jude Law was in like eight. I know. <laughs> and it was like, you don't have to make every movie Jude Law. Leave some for everybody. Share. share. I remember. The other thing I remember is, like you said, the cheap product placement. Did, wasn't Daniel Craig in like a bunch of Heineken commercials? He that was. Year, but he wasn't yes. as Bond. He was just like Daniel Craig having a Heineken at the bar. Um, stuff like that, and then you find. But it, he was wearing a suit. Yeah, but yeah. You, then you find but out it was a, like a fifty million dollar Heineken pitch or something like that. You're going, wow. Anyway, did did any of you drink more Heineken? Because yes, I'm drinking yes. one right now. Really? No. Because because uh, Daniel Craig endorsed he, it. Wow. Mark, okay. Mark's, I I don't think Mark. It makes me feel sexy, like Daniel. I think, Craig. I think if it, it touched his lips, it'll touch mine. <laughs> Wow. All I, right. I say as once once again, people. I'm excited to miss a thing. I'm just very excited <laughs> to miss that thing. Let me put the video on. There now. you go. Brooke, do you Brooke, do you have any studio yeah, what notes? Were your Anything you change about this movie? Studio notes. Do I have studio notes? Um More Eve. Oh, Fair. more Eve, yes. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I like and that. um that's about it. Yeah. No, that's a good note. A pretty perfect I do think, movie. like, Not I think they change. did a really good job with her. I do think they could have done more. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Could have. Could have. Absolutely. Same with Q. But I love how they, they reintroduced those two characters yeah. organically into the movie. Just yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I love how, like, when you find out that that's Q, you're expecting, like, all these gadgets and all he gets is a stupid gun and a little radio. Yep. Like it's just so brilliant. We don't really go in for that anymore. It's so fun. It's so fun. And and the fact that like, it's Ben Weishaw. Right? Yeah, it's it, it's freaking Paddington. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's Paddington. It's true. I I love the Paddington movie so much. There is just like so much goodness in that. Like it's just beautiful. This is something I picked up from my local toy store called. A radio. <laughs> uh, so that bring yeah. So um, best tech or gadgets then? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Silva's teeth. <laughs> oh yeah! Dude, come on, the Aston wow. Martin. Yeah, it's his gotta eyeball be change. <laughs> like oh yeah. I I mean, there's a lot. You know, it's funny because all of the tech is like the the side stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of fun stuff in there. I, I think the Aston Martin having that back is always gold. Yep. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It's a good way to thread that needle. Yeah. Not, but this is a very tech, less techie. Um, the bad guys get all the tech, right? It's pretty techless. Pretty yeah. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're hackers. Yep. They're, uh, that's the whole they're evil that's the hackers. whole premise of the rocky four right you go back to your roots with um sleds and sledgehammers and nails and the other people have, <laughs> yeah the other people have computers and helicopters and you still find a way steroids yep. and i will yeah. say that the glass cutter as it does it's like buzzing as he's walking through the doors <laughs> pretty cool that is cool pretty cool glass cutter 
Like it's yeah. it's so low key under the radar until it stops, and then you're like, "Oh, dude." <laughs> yeah. Um, not not a very quippy movie, but best one-liners or quotes. There is there is no better James Bond writing than his story of the rats. Oh, that is possibly the best monologue of any James Bond film. Not only because it ties into the two of them and M, but just how he relays it, how he tells the story is just terrific, right? Makes the little noises oh. of them eating coconut. Oh, the scuttering and everything. Um, I'm going to say my favorite quip, though, is the, you know, the trigger has to be pulled or not pulled. Hard to know which is in your pajamas, right? That line was pretty funny with Q. Yeah, it's pretty good. I will say my favorite was when Mallory was walking out and he's like, don't cock it up. <laughs> it's such a Bond thing to do to fuck everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love uh, Silva looking at Bond and saying, do you see what comes of all this running around, Mr. Bond? <laughs> all this jumping and fighting. It's exhausting. So dull. <laughs> relax. <laughs> relax. Just the way he delivered that was perfection. Yeah. That was really great. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite single line is just Albert Finney. Welcome to Scotland. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, along with the um, the monologue about the rats, uh, M's monologue about why do we need agents yeah. and yes. ending with the mm-hmm. with the Tennyson poem is a that's a good uh, one too. Close second. Uh, that, Juxtaposed that, with everything that's happening. Uh, that's going to culminate in the shootout. Yep. Just fucking perfection, man. Yep. I don't yep. think we've been formally introduced. Very good. My name's Eve. Eve Moneypenny. Eve Moneypenny. Yes. Yeah. I squealed uh, in that one scene when it's revealed. I mean, we all knew who she was, but when she says it, just oh, fucking it's awesome. Like, yes. Well, that's the that's the whole thing. It's you know, it's it's planting a seed and payoff. And yep. even when yep. you know it's coming. It's like, it's so great. Yeah. <laughs> you get a release of sorts. Yeah, you do. It's, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's comedy. That's, that's how you, you know, uh, even, even when you're expecting something, it's still, uh, it's still, you know, something that you like. It's still fun. I feel like speaking about a release of sorts is always appropriate with Bond. <laughs> uh, say it's his trade not false yes no <laughs> lies detected um are there a uh, best side characters in in this movie i mean albert i guess well albert finney is going to be up there uh, mm-hmm. but money penny would uh, classify money as penny. A, a side yeah. character right yeah i, I love and so Q. would you yeah, yeah. yeah Q is awesome gareth mallory oh he's great too mallory around Mallory even has an arc. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. He does. Yeah, he like does. His arc is awesome. Yeah, we start off hating him, and then we're like, "Oh no, we like this guy. He's on our side now." Yeah, I love when Q and what's his name, uh, Rory Kinnear. Yeah, uh, they see him come in. They're like, "Oh, we're fucked," and then like he ends up uh, like approving of what they're and doing. And he's like, "Oh no, good idea. Do that and double it." <laughs> like, and yeah. what's his name? What was the the little dude's name? 
Odd job. Oh, Nick-nack. <laughs> no, no, no. One that was always working with M. Tuppence? Oh, yes. oh. Oh, yeah, that's Rory yeah, Kinnear. That's Rory um, Kinnear's character. Yeah, um, yeah. He's got a name. Starts with a T? Kincaid. No, no, Kin- Kincaid. No, Kincaid's, Kincaid's the, 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 the groundskeeper. <laughs> he's, he's not Way to yell it out, Sam Smith. <laughs> Tanner. 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 There Tanner. we go. And yeah, I knew it was a one-name deal. Yeah. yeah. He was great. I didn't know he passed. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah he, has sex, nice. he has sex with a pig in a show. Oh my gosh. That is. Which is so disturbing. Don't feel like I needed to know that. That's, <laughs> yeah. The Black Mirror, the National Black Mirror. Anthem. That's that the opening a, episode of Black Mirror. It's messed up. Hmm. It's insane. All of Black Mirror is messed up, except Sam Junipero, which is beautiful. That's how you bring home the we bacon, all, though. We have. Oh, Womp God. Womp. Oh, oh. Terrible. Okay, Brooke, <laughs> really, you really hammed it up. Brooke. Okay, stop, Brooke. Yes. We have to yeah, talk about the Poseidon chops. theory. Yes. Because otherwise he'll chop there... us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Poseidon okay. theory is uh, is, is alive. Uh, Poseidon theory not only alive. When he falls into that frozen Solid. pond at the oh, end, yeah. and he's like gets supercharged by it, essentially, <laughs> he comes out and he's like, he's better. Yeah, he is. Regenerative Hold frozen on. pond power from Scotland. Who knew? Yeah, no, seriously. It's, like, it's man, the good thing we have to. <gasps> Ponce de Leon went to the wrong water. The Loch Ness was always a pet of Poseidon. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. The, he he he, he came out girl. erect in his whole body out of that pond. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the water was cold. There was shrinkage. I was at the pool. <laughs> okay. No. Um. Welcome to oh, Scott, We all agree on this. No, but I think it's. I mean, he literally gets shot off of a train into a river, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good." Yeah, he survives. By going to the beach. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm just gonna float down this river, let the water rejuvenate me, and then I'll leave on a beach. Yep. The yeah. waters will take me to the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I love that you know, that river in Europe somewhere that goes directly to the you know, the Caribbean somewhere. <laughs> that river. They were in great. Turkey, right? In the opening scene. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess well, technically yeah. in Europe. So, through yeah. the river to the Mediterranean. Past yeah. grandmother's house we go. <laughs> yeah. Poseidon, you know, he travels through the water. He's he's good. He's got water tubes. Make Old Nessie came and picked him up and ferried him off. Yeah. Um, so we all agree this is a good Bond movie. It's a yeah. great Bond movie. Yeah. I, I will hear no Bond dissent movie. that yeah. this is not a good Agreed. Bond movie. Agreed. The greatest Bond movie. Um, and is Bond a good person in this movie? He's redeemed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very good person. Yeah. Mm, he's all right. He's got some... I think he's yeah. a very good person. Is he, he so... He chooses to come back even though he doesn't have to. He, he does the wrong things for the right reasons. How about that? Hmm. I feel yeah. like you Were they wrong though? He kills a hired assassin. I mean, ethic, ethically is the taking of life correct in many instances for the right reasons, correct? 
Yeah. So I would say he is the person his government made him to be. Yeah. I think I think he's I trying to be a good person. I would say he is a real person. He is a real person. Movie. He is yeah. a whole person. He is yeah. flawed and he is good and he is whole. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. And he's not and Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Okay, so that's Skyfall. Like there I said, there was no next... rendering or Mark having sex with everyone, so it was good. Or pigs. War pigs. And... Uh, no, pigs not war pigs. Not war pigs. Sorry, I heard Mark... war pigs. War pigs. Y'all get them gum damn pigs out of here. I draw the okay. line at pigs, y'all. So, okay. Next week. Uh, like I said, we are doing The Man from Uncle, uh, which is another spy movie. Came out in oh, 2015. Never? It's got Superman in it. It's got uh, Cannibal Jones in it. And, I've never um, seen it before. Not the real Cannibal Army. You, <laughs> you will you will enjoy this movie, Brooke. It is it is fun. It's fun. It's a fun it movie. How did it's I get to movie. be such a nerd and like movies so much without having seen so many of them? Yeah, there's too many movies. It's it's impossible to keep up with all of them. It is a mission so, impossible, Brooke. Oh, I hate you. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but but it's it's a lot of fun, and um, like you know, I'm and I think a good reflection Renner. on like other people trying to do what Bond is doing. It's like semi deconstructed, highly stylized, but mostly it's just fun. Yeah, and good good I, choice can't wait to can't wait to talk about it um yeah so that's it um thanks everybody don't uh um yeah i don't know don't be evil assassins that turn against your country or whatever yeah, don't storm uh, the capital yeah be be good to each other and uh take care of your boss like your mom or something. And party on, yeah, dude. And party on, dude. Okay. And keep wearing your mask, you pigs. Yeah, keep wearing a mask, especially Texas. God damn you, Texas. Texas, wear your masks. Hey, listen, Mark and I are going to be vaccinated at the end of the month, and it's we're going to be immune by, like, middle of April. We're still going to wear our masks. Yep. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, we are. That's right. So I ain't gonna yeah. stop worrying until we're all good. Yep. Till we're all good. We're all Except good. Except for JB. Masks. We don't care about no. it. He makes he makes too many renter jokes. I'm I am so far down the vaccine list, I don't even know when they'll let me do it. <laughs> You're too healthy. Oh. You need to get you one of them pre existing conditions <laughs> like find, we got. I gotta find me one of them. I sound like Sam <laughs> Smith. Can I get a vaccine? <laughs> we have premium <laughs> conditions. <laughs> Yeah, we got a fast pass because it's like I have high blood pressure. <laughs> I got the I got that diabetes. Mark's Italian. They put him right at the front. Yeah, they, put, <laughs> they like it or not. I'm like I'm getting the vaccination. Capiche? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I'm gonna make it like, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uncle, Uncle huh? Vinny gonna come down and tell you it's Here. my turn. I'm gonna make you know you can't refuse. Oh, yeah, and oh, and don't forget, go listen to Yours, Mine, and Theirs uh, with Mark oh, all yeah. this month and me all next month. Um, and yes. me the month after. As we talk about that stuff. We're, and we're Brooke the month the after. Up. 
We are class in the join up. We're doing uh, something. Go I don't know that, that this was classy. Anybody yeah. got some yeah. nachos? We're gonna we're gonna hybridize it and call it kiss yours, kiss mine, and kiss theirs goodbye. I think the guys are listening to us right now. They're like, shit, we're gonna have these guys on. Wow. <laughs> uh, I like all the kissing though. That sounds great. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. Um okay. Did not uh, kiss thanks. for nachos. Wow. Okay. Irish uh, Nacho. Drew, well, I'm booking my plane flight to Salt Lake. I'll see you. Happy I'll see St. You soon. Patty's Day. Happy St. Patty's Day. Irish Nacho. Okay. They're always after me, Lucky Mark. Nachos. Whoa, wow. Big kiss, everybody. Bye. Bye. Big kiss. Keep your teeth in your mouth. <laughs> or don't. Or put them on a plate with everything else is done. Throw back your hair and kiss it all goodbye. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. Hey everybody! <laughs> yeah, it's the red button, Andy. There was, but there's a countdown now. And I'm, it I'm me sorry. Up. Was there Irish nachos? I don't know why I slipped off. This <laughs> I was distracted by <laughs> Happy St. Patty's Day, you bitches! Nice. nice. I got okay. your potato uh, hey, skins right here. <laughs> Those aren't potatoes. Okay. Give us okay. Some okay. Sour cream. Oh, that's not sour okay, cream. Stop, stop. <laughs> Those aren't the show's officially off the rails. <laughs> 30 right, seconds rails. in. Okay. Did you okay, miss stop. me? We're, yes, very, very much. What is fandom? Well, I'm glad you asked. Fandom is your obsession with TV, movies, comics, and books. Fandom is debating whether or not Goku or Superman would win in a fight. Clearly, it's Batman. Fandom is about liking things. Join us weekly on Fandom as we talk about all of that and more. Subscribe at fandompodcast.com. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.